0: have accessed Entry 515.SS0611, Certificate Number 17086, The Garden of Earthly Delight. Is this an episode about my house?
1: It is. It's about the omnibus bunker, which we have turned into a future paradise with our little set that can be chess and checkers. Or if you turn it upside down, backgammon. Backgammon. Uh, One of the reasons we started this endeavor is because we've both been worried about maybe the ephemeral nature of the cloud, not the the cloud you mean the cloud it has a umlaut? <laughs> no? it's uh i keep I, all my data in german servers i always say it in a scottish accent oh it's the Scot- cloud like like the like the McClouds. the the
0: maclauds of of loch McCloud. the reason is that uh, when i first heard of the Clade many, many years ago. It was a, an old it was a, Scots farmer. It was explained to me by a Scot. <laughs> and I was like, the what? And he was like, the clode. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> if your sex ed teacher was Irish.
1: And for the rest of your life, you're like, spermatozoa.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was said that way. I did have a teacher in college who said encyclopedia as cy- encyclopedia.
1: Like he said, the extra. He, he
0: actually insisted that the little, uh, the grafted letters, which we've covered on Omnibus, he uh, he insisted that they be pronounced. He's
1: got a serious case of diuresis. And
0: so, for a long time, I did say like "encyclopedia." Oh, obviously, that's what all the that's what all the educated people say. A lot of people refer to our pronunciations and specifically my pronunciations uh, with a lot of frustration, but you know, they all have a backstory.
1: And also they've all caught on in the future. <laughs> that's like right. Before we went on, you were pronouncing realtor realtor. <laughs> and was. if you had done that on mic, you would have changed the future. But you didn't. So Re- now people are still saying realtor, like like uh
0: Realtor, that's what I do I say that still. Realtor. Realtor.
1: Because they sell real real estate. Real estate.
0: <laughs> yeah, they do sell real estate.
1: Um and we're one of the reasons why we're worried about the cloud is the cloud. because people don't have physical stuff anymore. We don't carve things that are important to us into stone tablets and keep them in our house. We just trust that uh, vast corporations will be benevolent enough to let us keep looking at our vacation photos right. or watching the uh, pornography that we've purchased. <laughs> no, not even that. But
0: Collected in files.
1: Like the, you know, if I have every season of Will and Grace digitally, at some point, some company will be like, no, you cannot have every season of Will and Grease. And at that point, how much language would get lost if uh, not just to us, but to humanity, if everybody lost their digital footprint, if something terrible were to happen.
0: We we see it all the time, that it's something that is free, something that we used to own, then becomes something held for us by our benevolent cloud, And then eventually some money is attached to it. Like, oh, now you have to pay 99 cents a month or now you have to pay $100 a year. And pretty soon it will be, oh, you want your vacation photos? Well, (laughs) here's what you need. And there's an algorithm that prices each one. Your wife looks very good in this swimsuit. (laughs) This photo is $8. Well, it'll be tied to like, if your credit rating dips below 650. (laughs) Photos just start disappearing. (laughs) It's so... So bogus.
1: It, it's the back to the future future will be real. Yeah. Like people will start fading out of photos if, if the future goes badly.
0: Did we talk about this on our show? I have a, uh, I have a family member who works as Paul Allen's librarian. I think uh,
1: she has come up before, yes.
0: And only recently, just in the last week or two, she has expressed that as part of dealing with his estate, like uh, his estate now is obviously like billions of dollars and. Tons of real estate. And this is so a
1: recently deceased Microsoft billionaire and sports team owner for the future.
0: But she, as his librarian, is trying to deal with his incredible, what she called, uh, multiple petabytes of media that he has accumulated. Oh, you, you should always make sure you delete all your petabytes. Before, well,
1: before,
0: I'll say, because the... here comes Petabear. Uh, but uh, she said the problem is um, none of this digital media is transferable. No one can inherit it. Oh, be. It cannot be disseminated. And so we have these petabytes of just libraries upon libraries across all media, but we can't do anything with it.
1: There are certain kinds of intellectual property law that keep him from transferring the rights to his his, his, It's uh, just like
0: if if it's on iTunes, it doesn't belong to him to give Uh, the other person, you know, whoever he gifted it to would also have to buy it on iTunes. I mean, it's just the, it's as simple as that. It's, you know, if it exists on discs, it's not, you don't possess the physical media. You possess the right to it.
1: That's why having a basement full of VHS tapes is now, you know, not a, it's not a hipster style choice or even a, I've given up on life and need to go to value village choice. It really is an act of libertarian
0: yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, rebellion and patriotism. You were bragging to me uh, the other day that you had all these DVDs, walls of DVDs, and in fact, you own those things.
1: I'm going to have the only copy of the Disney movie, the one and only genuine original family band, once well, <laughs> Disney, Fox, Lucas, uh, Marvel uh, decides that yeah, right. the, that they, movie
0: is canceled. They put it behind a paywall or they put it behind a double, triple paywall.
1: Double, triple paywall.
0: Yeah. But anyway, my uh, my librarian relative was truly lamenting that libraries, school libraries are dumping media yep. and putting everything online. She's like, no, don't do it. Keep all hard media because of this effect." I've said this
1: before, but if you are writing a, you know, if you have to go deep on a serious topic, which I have had to do as a writer, not as a podcaster, No, (laughs)
0: for
1: for this Wikipedia is fine.
0: Yeah, we don't go that deep. But if you
1: really need to go deep, you will be in a university library for weeks. And I don't know what would happen if that went away because there's some kind of naive assumption, I think, by people my kid's age that everything just got moved to the internet and almost nothing got moved to the internet. So imagine a civilization-wide version of this where people are trying to figure out who Gary Coleman was. And they have like four records. What are you talking about, Willis? (laughs) Is that what you would say to them? (laughs) I have traveled. They wouldn't even get it. I have traveled to your era (laughs) to tell you, what's you talking about, future Willis? Uh, and this is actually something that happens to us. And so it's, it's terrifying vision of the future If people are, you know, imagine all these future detectives trying to be like, we believe there were four Kardashians, (laughs) but some wise men say there were five, you know, but this is actually what happens in our day. When we look back at records from say the Renaissance, people for whom there were not, you know, if if somebody left behind no letters or writings, we just have very scattered views
0: of their lives. Thank God for the diaries of Samuel Peepees. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was he a realtor? <laughs> he was a member of a very vibrant uh, London uh, alternative sex community.
1: Yeah, they would get together every night in the Lyceum or the Athenaeum and yeah. uh, look at each other's peepees. Yeah, that's right. Uh,
0: and it was fine. And perform
1: hot carls. It wasn't even gay, actually. No, 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 It, no. it was just something everyone did. Yeah. So there were tons of people like that that, uh, that did keep journals, and it's a treasure trove to us because... We might not know what the London fish market looked like, if not for Samuel Pepys going there one day, or...
0: We should start a podcast that tries to preserve this ephemera for future generations. (laughs) They would thank us, I think, if we would just stop dinking around,
1: talking about whatever, (laughs) talking about the way to pronounce realtor. (laughs) Realtor. And actually preserve some knowledge. Um, And a, a good example of a kind of person for whom we just have no information because he did not leave journals or sketchbooks or writings of any kind, is the Netherlandish, r- northern early Renaissance painter, Hieronymus Bosch.
0: How is that possible? We are all very familiar with Hieronymus Bosch.
1: Hieronymus Bosch's best works are iconic today. Museums yes. make, uh, and uh, and they're in the public domain, some museums <laughs> and sketchy Etsy outfits make <laughs> millions every year, selling <laughs> socks and ties and uh, like elaborate porcelain versions of some of his surreal visions. If you want to have that on your mantelpiece next to your Dungeons and Dragons giant wagon. Do
0: I ever. <laughs> right. I love my giant wagon.
1: You've got your chainmail uh, elves and whatnot lined uh, up in your campaign ready to go.
0: Mithril. <laughs> or Mithril. <laughs> it's not, it, not
1: Mithril like Mythos?
0: <laughs> uh, it's, I don't know. I always said Mithril, but like myth, M-Y-T-H is not pronounced meeth.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I th- I've always said Mithril as well. Um, when I have the opportunity to say it, I'm sure somebody's which is
0: never nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. I if gotta, you don't say mithril at least once every six months, then you're not living. This is a
1: digression on a digression, <laughs> but I kind of like the way they overpronounce all these things in the in the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movies. Like yeah. it's not mithril; it's. Mithril.
0: Mithril. Like, the elves
1: would have said the clear L. It's Mithril. Oh, of so course. these poor actors have to be like Galadriel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they actors hate doing that kind of affected thing. So they must have hated it.
0: But Hieronymus Bosch is like uh, he's uh, like the proto dolly. He's psychotic. He is uh, hallucinogenic. It's he's horrifying. Have you ever ingested him? Uh. Ooh. I don't, you know, a lot of that stuff, I was, blacked out. little mummy brown. Actually, I never blacked out. Can you believe that? And all the drugs.
1: Good for you. Yeah, I wasn't and a blacker outer. And even podcasting? <laughs>
0: uh, no, this is all just, it's a I'm, huge hole in my brain. I have no idea
1: what's happening right
0: now. Spongiform encephalitis. Uh,
1: Hieronymus Bosch is, uh, we don't even know what his paintings were called. Even, uh, we're probably wrong about his name. I mean, his name was actually Hieronymus. Hieronymus? Hieronymus. <laughs> he was quite Hieronymus. Uh, he was. Uh, What's the Dan Savage word? Monogamish. He was monogamish. Oh, he
0: was monogamish. No, he
1: was not monogamish. What, there, we, we don't
0: know. We don't know anything about it. There are no records, no census. I mean, the There's the Netherlands. a handful.
1: Like, we don't know what year he was born because there's no birth record from the church. Wait, the Dutch are extremely meticulous about this kind of thing. He was from the town of... Uh, Sertogenbosch, and oh. I'm almost certainly saying that wrong because we love
0: Sertogenbosch. To,
1: we love to mispronounce Dutch words. I think it Om, is Omnibus.
0: I think it is Sert- Sertogenbosch. Sert- Sertogenbosch. But
1: the funny thing about it is, it starts with an apostrophe. Yes. Then there's an a small s. Yes. Then there's a hyphen. Then there's a capital H
0: because so the, the impo- Dutch,
1: the Dutch are the Dutch are naming their town, and the uh, the town fathers are like, I'm sorry, I must have <laughs> one number, <laughs> one special character.
0: <laughs> I think the apostrophe s
1: is pronounced. Tzt- is that right? Tzt- It's a shortening of of death, like the, like they've they've
0: just shortened the article. I've actually played a concert in Sertogenbosch. No. Not once, but multiple times. Really? Yeah.
1: And do you have any impressions of Sertogenbosch? I didn't, this is a a found gem to me that you actually have firsthand experience of Sertogenbosch. Do you remember anything about it?
0: Uh, I do remember a lot about it. And it is one of what I consider kind of the hidden gems of the Netherlands. It's not a, um, it's not like a big stop on the tourist train, but it has a lot of history there. There was a lot of contention over the ownership of Zertogenbosch back in the history, back in the historical times. This was an area of the Netherlands that traded hands uh, a lot. Right. And it's a, you know, it's an extremely charming little, little city. And I have extremely fond memories of playing there.
1: In the uh, late 15th century in Bosch's era, Sertogenbosch was part of the duchy. I think we say duchy
0: on the omnibus. Yeah. At your request. Yeah. Pat, We passed the duchy down the left-hand
1: side. The duchy of Brabant. It was uh, Habsburg territory. But it was not, uh, unlike places where a lot of artists came from, it was not a, uh, a royal court of any kind. It was not a university town. It was just a nice middle-class, you know, merchant town uh, that made organs. It made church bells. There was a big foundry there for bells. They made knives.
0: They call it Den Bosch.
1: Yeah. It for short. Yeah. It's just, it's the Bosch. I guess that means the forest the or forest. of the forest. Yeah. It's, it's the Duke's forest. Yeah. Basically just like saying, uh, what is it in French? The bo- bosque, the Bois, the, the bois, bois de Bologna. Bois yeah. de Bologna. The Bois means. in France or the Bosque in Spain or the Bosque in Italy. It was the Duke's forest. Uh, the Duke didn't live there. That's
0: just where he kept his forest. Sure. And, it's just like Liechtenstein <laughs> or Liechtenstein, uh, which is a, a country where the owners, the Liechtensteinian family never had been to Liechtenstein. They, it, was
1: a, it was essentially a storage locker.
0: Yeah, it was just like the, the Liechtenstein family's forest.
1: They're like, we'll give you a number eight. And they're like, no, we have a lot of stuff. And they're like, we'll give you this small country. What about this forest?
0: And they were <laughs> like, meh,
1: all right. Uh, so the only time we have... Records of Bosch is, you know, every 20 years we'll get a glimpse of him. Oh, here he is. He's apparently in a family of three. His brother's also a painter. And then it'll be 20 years later. Oh, he uh, he's married now and the local uh, brotherhood wants him to do a stained glass window for, for them. Um, right. He was, one thing that Sartogon Bosch was a center of was a kind of a local religious revival. There was a, like a, a brother, a local brotherhood and
0: sisterhood. A brethren or a cistern?
1: Yeah, they would have a cistern to... uh
0: Mm-hmm. To drain everything, to, to Dr- throw to, to, to throw, drain the brethren, to throw witches it. <laughs> you gotta have a
1: cistern <laughs> to drain the brethren. <laughs> it's
0: a, ugh, ugh. it's a very uh, swampy part of the Netherlands.
1: No matter what we talk about, you're convinced that it's a swamp. This is I love pretty this sure. I love this about the omnibus Now, <laughs> pretty
0: sure anywhere in the in, in the world, I can find a swamp. Just give me <laughs> twenty minutes.
1: Like we'll be talking about the McKinley assassination. You'll be like, it was quite swampy on the
0: expo grounds that day. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know, uh, Washington D.C very swampy, built on a swamp.
1: That's true. Still swampy to this day, unless we drain it. Um, uh, So the the local brotherhood was kind of a a, a lay group devoted to bringing kind of common religion back. They were really influenced by Thomas Kempis's uh, Imitatio Christi, like, oh, this is what Jesus really would have done. Right. He wouldn't have had all these basilicas. He would have lived his life like this. So it's a very religious part of the country. Well,
0: it is, but it's a contentious, I hate to get all like uh, into the... Kingdom of the Orange.
1: Let's do it. Who was fighting over Den Bosch?
0: Well, for a long time, you know, the Netherlands were a hotbed of Calvinism, but of course, the Habsburgs were Catholics mm-hmm. and uh, the Habsburgs controlled a lot of Belgium and the Netherlands during, the, during the, this whole period, sort of 30 years war era. And so this, Zertogenbosch was this contended for area because it was Catholic for a long time after the Calvinists were pretty well established in that part of Europe. So a lot of the fighting was, well, you know, religious fighting, the best kind
2: when it comes to meat, quality makes a huge difference in texture and taste and even though it might be better for you and the environment, a lot of the higher quality meat you find at the grocery store is just too expensive for most people's budget. Thankfully there's ButcherBox. ButcherBox believes everyone deserves access to high quality, humanely sourced meat at an affordable price. That's why each month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of the finest cuts right to your home. Choose from 100% grass fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and sugar and nitrate-free bacon. No antibiotics, no added hormones, just meat the way meat should be. And right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free, plus $20 off your first box when you visit ButcherBox.com iHeart, or use the promo code iHeart at checkout. That's ButcherBox.com iHeart iHeart, or use the promo code iHeart at checkout.
1: Religion would have permeated every aspect of life back then, which is what makes kind of the eccentricity of Bosch's canvases very, even more surprising than they would be to modern eyes. Um, We have no evidence, by the way, that Bosch ever left
0: his hometown. Are these paint? where were these paintings? They seem super... Heretical, super uh, like, it doesn't seem like the type of thing the church would embrace. His
1: his most famous works look like altarpieces. They are these big triptychs like the Haywain or the Last Judgment or the Garden of Earthly Delights. So they look like altarpieces, but you're absolutely right. Because of the content of them, they would have been extremely unusual (laughs) in any church. And we know that not long after uh, Bosch's death, I think one year after his death, we have a record finally that the Garden of Earthly Delights is being displayed in a town palace in Brussels. Um, so it would have been private owners, you know, uh, wealthy, rich, rich and wealthy entitled men wanting something nice for their home theater because they don't have a flat screen TV. But these they are want not something nice. Painting. They are beautiful, but certainly eccentric. There's a lot going on. Think about a world where you don't have, you know, movies or other kind of dense transporting media, no video games,
0: Maybe you do want wall art with a lot going on. Well, that's it. And and to futurelings who may not have uh, direct access to these paintings, they're unlike a lot of uh, paintings of the era where there, there's a kind of central character or you know the Night Watch. It's a uh, identifiable faces and and a, and a pretty limited story within the paintings. And or, this is like, uh, I mean, there are. 25 visible episodes, maybe 50 individual stories being told.
1: And they are incredibly mysterious to us, even today. In a lot of ways, they're outsider art, really. I mean, oil painting would only have been 100 years old when he made these. So a lot of techniques like linear perspective have not really even been perfected or invented yet. Uh, So he's not part of any recognizable school. He is painting what's interesting to him in a way that kind of has incredible detail and a lot of psychological underpin depth apparently, when you just look at the figures and their faces and what they're doing. But it's not even clear what there's a reference to. You know, his most famous canv- his most famous triptych we call the Garden of Earthly Delights, but that's not a name that Bosch would have referred to it. Before the 18th century, when the public could go to galleries and see art, when it was just being bought by wealthy collectors or who commissioned them, wealthy patrons, paintings didn't really have names given to them by the artists. The first time this is ever given a name, I think uh, the Garden of Earthly Delights is in. Uh, I think King Philip of Spain. It appears in a catalog of his goods, and it's called La Pintura del Madroño, the painting of the strawberry tree, because strawberries figure into it. It's it's related to the madrona tree we have in the uh, the Pacific Northwest with its so, papery red bark.
0: So this was just a this was a, a, a fetish item or a sign of of wealth. This just traded hands. Obviously there were no museums then, so this right. was just rich people, uh, a rich people toy.
1: Buying it off one another, inheriting it from one another, a, a status symbol. Um, you know, as, as money poured into the Netherlands from mercantilism and later the age of exploration and, and colonialism, uh, people would have, the way you would express that would be with your collections. Right. You've got a map on the wall of the Far East that shows your, your uh, you know, how much stock you own in whatever trading company. Sure, you got- you're, you're-
0: Private forest. You've got
1: fancy stuffed shells, your seashells and stuffed armadillos and whatnot to show that you're a man of science and who is is interested in the things of the far world and you have beautiful art on your walls. And in some cases, the art would show religious devotion. Um, Biblical scenes would have been very common back then. And even if the painting wasn't titled, people would obviously say, oh, this is the temptation of St. Anthony or this is uh, Jesus and the, you know, St. Matthew, the tax collector or, or whatever it is. These scenes are unusual because even today he's painting stuff with a theological underpinning, but we don't know what he's saying. Oh,
0: first of all, almost everyone is naked. We are looking right now, are you looking at the Garden of Earthly Delights? Well, so I I, I want to say, um, you've spent quite a bit of time in Spain as I have, and I'm assuming that you have also seen this painting in real life at the Prado it Museum.
1: It is overwhelming to see in person. Have you seen it? Yeah, I have. So we've talked about the Prado before. I think I was talking about Goya's Black paintings in the deep in the bowels of the Prado.
0: Right. Well, uh, there's a couple Goya paintings that I keep very dear to my heart. <laughs> and bedside table. <laughs> uh,
1: the, the Garden of Earthly Lights is a wooden triptych that's uh, seven feet tall. Yeah. And when fully opened and extended, 13 feet wide. Yeah. It's enormous. It's cinemascope. And I believe it's displayed in the Prado in such a way that you can go around to the side and you can see that when it's closed, it has artwork on the outside as well. Yeah. It's a whole show. Like when, if you approach the Garden of Earthly Delights when it's closed, there's kind of a gray sphere floating in space. The whole thing is painted in uh, monochrome. It's grisaille, a technique that doesn't use any pigments besides black and white. Uh, so there's a sphere, a sphere floating in space, but it's kind of like a snow globe. There's a flat landscape kind of halfway up the sphere with very detailed vegetation and geographic features and terrain on it. And a little tiny god, the father, up in the upper left, um, I think with
0: a scroll creating the world. So we're seeing the creation there. And this is how it would have been displayed in in a palace. Closed, and then you would approach it and open it to discover its marvels? I think so, because
1: what's, what you see when you open it is just eye-popping. You, know, you can see why he chose the black and white right. outside, because- Look out, baby. When it's opened, you now have three large panels, two kind of uh, narrower rectangular ones, and a large square in the middle. Uh, the one on the left is a representation of the Garden of
0: Eden. Um, Which it has a kind of traditional sort of like, here's Jesus- and here are Adam and Eve in their nakedness. Yes, but it then... appears that maybe
1: it appears that maybe they've just—they're not being cast out. Things are still good. Yeah, it's a happy time. They've just been—I think—they've uh, just been created. You know, the Lord has appeared to say, "Hey, Adam, I've just turned your rib into this naked lady. Hello, uh, you—you guys are married, which is what
0: I've—you know, which sure. is what all of us spend our lives waiting for. Uh, but, but then there are these. W- Wonderful and fantastically drawn animals who are all living in Eden.
1: Some of which would have been, you know, uh, he, you know, obviously a lot of them Bosch never would have seen. There's an elephant and a, and a giraffe. A very cool giraffe. He's like an albino giraffe.
0: Yeah, and and like
1: uh, apparently uh, Bosch had only seen black and white <laughs> renderings of a giraffe.
0: My my friend, uh, the, uh, the artist Scott Musgrove, draws fantastic, or rather, paints fantastical. Animals are, and also aminals, and his aminals are derived from the aminals of Bosch.
1: Oh, really? They're kind of yeah heightened. And I recommend to everyone skewed. that they
0: explore the uh, the artwork of Scott Musgrove.
1: There's a unicorn at left drinking from the pool. The Eden right. uh, Eden has um you know the lush vegetation and uh, is just crawling with all manner of uh, of birds and, and beasts. There's a cat eating a mouse. Yeah, so there are a few places where it looks as if we're seeing foreshadowing of you know, the post Edenic paradise.
0: Yeah. Dark um, pool. A was... cat is,
1: yeah, there's a, the birds appear to be kind of squabbling in this dark pool in
0: the foreground. What is that, uh that creature that's climbing out of the pool? Is that a wombat or.
1: Yeah. It has like a dark roundish head. No, like the ears are very low though. It's, it's opossum like. Yeah. It's certainly nothing he would have seen in Europe. You know, there, there definitely seems to be some attempt to make these just fantastic creatures. And there's, there's architecture too. Um, Eden appears to have this very ornate pink fountain of life. That's kind of stained glassy. It's reminiscent of maybe crustacean claws or, uh, Maybe, look, maybe his idea of exotic Eastern, Middle Eastern
0: architecture. It looks like an H.R. Geiger thing, except it's pink. Right. Right. What if, like, it's what if we horrifying. Took, what
1: if we took all the genitalia stuff in H.R. Geiger art, <laughs> but like really made it bright pink. So we foregrounded it. So you, you couldn't avoid thinking about it. Uh, and in the background, there's kind of these fantastic mountain shapes that are. caves, and Yeah, they're swirly and, uh, you know, kind of. They look designed and artistic, not natural or formed by natural processes. There's a
0: flock of birds flying. There's uh, a, it's a murmuration. Yeah. They're, it is they're a coming out of like a
1: bat cave type uh, a rectangular cave, and then they're swirling through other circular holes in the rock as they, as they make their path skyward.
0: So even though this is Eden, it's already a pretty freaky place. I'm not sure. The figures, the human figures, are represented rather, uh, you know, realistically for the time. Yes. They don't have big ears. They don't have wings.
1: Everything is very detailed. You know, the, the people have expressions. Adam's kind of looking up expectantly. Um, Eve is naked, but she's looking kind of down at her, at her knees demurely.
0: Maybe Adam is, is looking up expectantly like, do I get a second Eve? Like
1: how many Eves? And then, <laughs> He's also not even standing. He's like, oh, cool. I have a helper now. I can mm-hmm. just sit around on my ass on the grass in Eden forever now. Cool, like um, parts of my body turn into, turn into naked ladies now.
0: She has very long hair. I'm not sure what Jesus is doing there uh, because uh, Jesus wouldn't have been there. <laughs> huh? right? Wait a second. <laughs> this is
1: like the goof section of IMDb. <laughs> Jesus would not have been born until 0 AD. <laughs> the Garden of Eden, as we all know, is 4004 BC. That's right. Jesus is time-traveled
0: here. Oh, this is time travel, Jesus.
1: Yeah, you remember. Yeah, of course. If he, course. If he feeds more than uh, eighty-eight people from a single loaf of bread, he goes back in time. This is one of the books of the apocrypha, isn't it? <laughs> like the
0: like the Gospel of Judas.
1: Like we only we only have like you know a few thousand words of what Jesus said. What was he doing the rest of the time? He was going time back travel. in time. What would you do if you had that kind of power? You'd want to see T Rexes. I would go to the United States, frankly. <laughs> you think he, should he have made a boat?
0: He did later.
1: He can walk on water. Just walk to Florida. Yeah, come on. Come on, Jesus. Walk across the Mediterranean and check out the swamps of, uh, of the eastern seaboard. Well, now here's a curious thing. Jesus
0: is one of the only people in the whole painting wearing clothes.
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, in the book of Genesis, of course, the Lord appears and gives Eve to right. Adam, to wife. Right. And so he has painted. To wife. <laughs>
0: <laughs> as we say
1: in my. Uh, in my You're about to get wife
0: <laughs> Big time, <laughs> mister.
1: <laughs> but, you know, the Lord is, uh, you know, according to the, the theology of the time, yeah. Christ and God are one. Oh, sure. And so we're just seeing God. You know, he's, he's been God, the, the old bearded father on the outside. Right. Now we're seeing him as Christ.
0: As the young son. Walking
1: in the garden. Should we do hell next? Well, no, let's go to the main, let's go to the main story. The main event. So this is what's tricky. What is going on in the middle? So spoilers, (laughs) the right-hand side is going to be hell. So we see at left paradise, not just in our past, but also possibly our heavenly future, I guess, you know? And on the right, we see the tortures of the damned in hell. Very, very vividly described when the hell is um, depicted on the Simpsons. It's generally a version of this painting. There's a bird
0: sitting on a throne eating a man. So there's a bird well, eating wait, oh, a man. Oh, so you do want to go to hell?
1: Take, well, take go go a couple of pages later if you want to see a close up of the bird. If you if you have the if you're not driving your flying cars, futurelings, look at the hell panel of uh, the Last Judgment.
0: The bird has long humanoid legs that are in two urns. Yes, his
1: shoes are green ceramic urns for some reason. He's sitting on a large high barstool, which is also
0: a toilet. Right? He's, He's a, pooping people in a blue bubble. Well, you
1: see him, yeah, so he eats some people. Ugh. He's eating a naked man who's- uh, There are birds flying out of his butt. Yeah, so butts are huge, by the way, in all of Bosch's visions of the afterlife. Butts feature prominently. They're, they're getting tortured. They're doing things that butts should not do in real life. Oh,
0: yeah, there's a guy playing a flute out of his butt over the,
1: there. There's a, a guy playing a flute out of his butt. In the main panel, we're going to see um, a young, a youth placing flowers into the butt of another man bending over next to him.
0: The bird is wearing a, an iron cauldron for a hat.
1: Yes, and for that for that reason, he's often called like the king of hell or the prince of hell. Like it's a parody of of a crown or God, the crown that God might have in heaven. Oh, I see. Like maybe this is the for the prince of darkness himself. Oh, look above him.
0: He, there's someone on on ice skates, like real ice skates. Yes, gates.
1: hell is very cold here. You know, there are there are boats moving in the waterways of hell, the rivers of hell, the sticks or whatever it is. But there's a weird kind of. Uh, needle-nosed dolphin sloth monkey guy. Right. Holding a bow maybe, and bows and arrows. Yes. And he's got ice skates. He's skating on the ices of hell. So even though there's um, distant fires and and uh, military campaigns and ruined cities off in the distance, apparently hell is also not just hot, but cold. Getting, well, back, getting back to the pooping guy, notice that the uh, naked person he's eating, the guy's um, butt appears to be exploding in some kind of... incendiary fart sending out sparks and black smoke and, and a flock of birds.
0: Flock of uh, black birds.
1: And then the people he eats are then defecated out in a blue bubble into his throne. Uh, uh, and then they fall into a pit in which a figure is pooping gold coins.
0: Yes. There's someone else barfing. Yes, Someone else is
1: barfing. There's a lot of defecation and, uh, egestion of, of food. He's very interested in, uh, I mean, if, if you're thinking about what unpleasant things might happen in hell. Mm, that seems unpleasant. Poop is unpleasant. So,
0: Although, I don't know, if I could poop gold coins, I might visit hell. Where are you going to spend them, John? Oh, right, in does, the poop hole. Does hell
1: have a mall? We don't even know.
0: But the central figure of hell is the uh, really hard to parse uh, male torso that looks like it's kind of made of wood, except it's the, his arms are in boats,
1: he has no legs. His arms are in boats, so he's on the water. and they are they appear to be
0: trees with branches trees with branches. and then his you can see inside his torso. it's like he's been chopped in half at the waist. He's
1: gone through an egg cracking machine. he He's hollow he's looking back sort of passively over his shoulder and wearing a weird platter on his head on which creatures cavort well, and that looks like a bagpipe. So there's not only a giant bag, pink bagpipe thing on his head, but also a flag with the same symbol coming out of his torso. Do you see the small bagpipe on a flag? Oh, yeah. And I think there's a lot of speculation that bagpipes bag thing, were very funny to people as phallic symbols. Oh. It reminds you of, uh, doesn't, of, of genitalia. Doesn't really, but
0: yeah, okay. I nope. mean, if your testicles were huge and your penis was small... <laughs> Which I don't think is, maybe that's what's maybe this funny is about re, it. this is
1: revealing a little too much about Hieronymus Bosch. I guess. Honestly, the tree man is often said to be a self-portrait. We have one oh. self-portrait of an older Bosch that looks quite a bit like this. What so maybe it in, the pale man is a...
0: What's all going on inside his body?
1: There is a, a, some kind of a tavern scene. I mean, you'd think hell would not have a club scene, but there is a table <laughs> with people sitting around, yeah, <laughs> waiting for the beat to drop. Um, they they have, I think it looks like they have drinks to me and there is a, somebody's filling a barrel of left, but they are not happy. No. It's, they're in a pub, but they are bummed.
0: Well, if you've ever really spent that much time in pubs, right. you will it's know. A, it's, an, it's a realistic British pub, I think. But then the one other really large, although there are tons and tons of little scenes, if you, you, you can spend hours looking at, there's someone crucified on a harp. So there's a lot of musical symbols. Um, Horns and drums.
1: Which might suggest kind of the cacophony of hell. Think how, oh, yeah. you're, think how loud this must be. Sure, so it's or, like being
0: at a guitar center on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> no stairway. <laughs> or it might be that
1: this is, um, what we're seeing is an inversion of all the um, sensory pleasures of earth. They've oh. all turned bad. Like here, we love to hear a beautiful harp, but guess what? In hell, you're going to get crucified right. on a harp. Because, you know, look at this choir. They're, they're all um, below this giant uh, well, that's a, there's lute there's a metronome. Thing. There is a huge metronome. A lot, of, um, a lot of surrealism, oversized body parts and objects like shoes turned into
0: boats and metronomes the size of Can you houses. imagine a more hellish thing than a huge metronome? Just tick,
1: tick, tick. It's coming tick, back.
0: Forever. Just tick, tick, tick. It's like Chinese water torture. <laughs> you would never, ever, ever get used to it.
1: Look how this choir or band or whatever it is. For one thing, there's a guy inside the drum. So he's having right. a really, there's a guy in the bass drum having right. a bad time of it.
0: That's a bad time.
1: And the other people are having to read music that's been apparently tattooed on someone's butt. Do you, oh, do you see I below do see the that. Green loot?
0: trying to figure out how the lute how part So goes. it's like you're
1: in a band, but check it out. Yeah. The sheet music's a butt. Oh. Uh, As does, a musician, uh, John, you, you can tell how awful that would be.
0: Do they flat the third? <laughs> we have to look inside his butt to find <laughs> out.
3: start that's unlimited access to thousands of lessons exercises and songs on as many instruments as you want for two whole weeks just go to musician.com slash start that's y-o-u-s-i-c-i-a-n dot com slash start
1: and there's a lot of other kind of ironic punishments like that going on Bosch's visions of hell are inspired by this medieval genre of like a travelogue through hell. You know, people would claim to have these visions. Dante is the only one that's really survived in popular so culture. So is this
0: post-Dante or pre-Dante?
1: It's around the same time, and there's no evidence whether or not he ever read Dante. But we know he read the visions of Tundale, an wow. Irish knight who kind of describes a similar voyage through heaven and then the purgatory and then
0: hell. How, how do we know that? Is it the butt trumpets or what is Or <laughs>
1: Tundale is always talking about butts. <laughs> the one thing I remember of hell, and I quiver to think of it, it's full of butts. Uh, we know that because he actually painted a version of, you know, a vision of T- Tundale that's oh. recognizable. Oh. And Tundale, I think, invented this modern idea of ironic hell. Like the, thing, the sins that you loved will just be revisited on you, oh. Twilight Zone style. Like in the lower left, we see a gambler at a gaming table, but like the cards are strewn everywhere and he's, he's just been knifed to the table. Um, yeah. He's got a knife through his palm. And the game is not going well. This, you know, A woman is torturing him with dice on her head. And uh, religious hypocrisy seems to be being called out here. Like there's a, at, which is kind of daring, you'd think it at the is. time. Maybe this is the Protestant Reformation starting to rear its head, but there's an, a pig in a nun's habit in lower right. Yep. Do, you, do you see yep. her or it? Um, and uh, trying to get this guy to sign, she's got a quote, she's trying to get this guy to sign a document. And the usual interpretation is she's trying to get him to sign over his earthly goods to the church and thereby save his soul. Oh, yeah. Which has apparently, spoilers, been ineffective
0: since he's in hell. He's already in hell and he's uh, he's contracting with a nun pig.
1: The pig nun is still after him. And what this, is
0: going on with the two giant ears with a, with a knife through them?
1: Yeah, I think, so everybody talks about that M on the knife. Like, what does the M stand for? You know, people are very into possible... Symbology. I
0: feel like in this case, they're not wrong (laughs) to be seeking some symbology. No,
1: this is not conspiracy theory. Many mainstream studies of, of Bosch's work focuses on, you know, what kind of alchemical or astrological symbolism is going on here is, are there secret societies of his time being referred to? And so the M was much commented on, you know, it it could just be in line with the guy on the harp, you know, like uh, the cacophony of hell is such that it's a knife through your ears. But recently, I think uh, an M like that has been found on a local Sertogenbosch knife from that period.
0: Oh, so it's a, it's just a maker's mark?
1: Yeah, and so he was just accurately depicting in, in amazing detail. You know, look at the metronome. But yeah. Look at these people that live in this little lamp at right. You know, the, the objects of his desktop in incredible, super surreal, which today we'd call it hyperrealism, detail, but they're a weird size, They're interacting with the damned in ominous ways. What else? Oh, there's this, uh, you know, lust. All the seven sins are condemned. You know, a lot of gluttony is condemned with all the barfing. Right. We got this gambler, um, the guy in the drum. Lust is condemned with this woman sitting at the feet of the prince of hell who is looking at her mirror. And maybe she's narcissistic. She's an, an attractive naked woman looking at a mirror, but the mirror is somebody's butt.
0: Oh, that'll get you every time. Now I I remember being exposed to this. Maybe you know this is kind of an example of how Western art is, at least in our lifetimes, was presented to young people as like, here's our you know, here's our patrimony. This here's is the, our the
1: fifteen things you should know.
0: Yeah, this is Western culture. Yeah. Dig it. It's um, the fact yeah. that uh, this painting is full of like horrors and. Uh, Lots of like people eating poop and stuff. It's fine for you to look at this when you're 12 years old because it's art. I think the assumption may be that you cannot actually get a
1: 12-year-old to pay close enough attention to art. Right. I mean, if it's a big naked lady front and center, you can see, you know, a, a fifth grader kind of raising an eyebrow.
0: But I wonder if at the time this was regarded as a humorous work. Whether the court of Philip III would sit and go, ha ha, look at this guy. Check out what happened to him. Because it was a time when there was a lot more, there were a lot more people being eviscerated in the public square. I think there was a lot more connection to mm. poop and viscera and death because it was, you know, the we live in a time futurelings, where those things are mostly hidden from us. They've been abstracted away from middle class people. Yeah. We have doors that we close. I mean, Ken, have you seen a dead body?
1: Only, you know, embalmed and and, uh, at a viewing.
0: At a funeral. Yes. How many? Two or three. Yeah. I mean, I was with my dad when he died the only other dead person I ever saw, because I don't come from a culture of open casket funerals, by the time- Because
1: you, you guys are always mauled by grizzly bears. Yeah, that's
0: right. By the time the funeral happens, there's always a, uh, like an easel with a sign that says, we think he's dead. Uh, but in the case- I, I mean, hope you guys
1: reuse the sign, if that, com- <laughs> if that comes up a lot.
0: He was last seen. <laughs> uh, it's a map. <laughs> Somewhere in this radius- <laughs> But I was with my dad when he died and he was really the first person that I ever saw who was died. Uh, there was one time I stepped over a guy who was, uh, in a doorway. This was back when cities were seedy in a different way.
1: It might might, might come back. We might just be in an interregnum of. Right. Of disnified city centers,
0: but I stepped over a guy, and as I was stepping, because he was just like passed out on the sidewalk. As I was stepping over him, I got a, oh my god, he's dead! I could just feel that he was dead. And but I had somewhere to be, I had some drugs to buy, and so I kept going. And I came back about fifteen minutes later, and they were loading him sheet over his head. You so were right, so my like uh, crazy feeling was confirmed. Uh, which was another example of like, huh? That's uh, spooky action at a distance. But I wonder if in in this in this era, you could look at this painting and not obviously it's a vision of hell, but also there are a lot of jokes in it.
1: Yeah, I think it is the kind of thing that you would pay big money for because it's Where's Waldo for your or it's it's binge right. watching. Like you get a full season of incident, <laughs> right? Just by looking at this, and obviously well, you're right. in an age like that where death is always close at hand. It, it does explain why people are thinking of heaven and hell and wanting to read tours and travelogues of them, because it's it's the way you and I would think about, maybe I'll retire to, to Taos in New Mexico, or maybe I'll, maybe I'll buy this new house, look at these pictures, you know, like, right. this might be the next place you
0: live. But Eden on one side and hell on the other, those are both small panels relative to the central panel. Yes, and theologically, they're not confusing. No, you know? no, no, no.
1: Good, it was, everything was good and pure in Eden, Everything's going to be bad if you're not saved and go to hell. In the middle, there's this uh, lush parkland, which gives the painting its modern name, uh, in which again, many nude people are cavorting. It uh, is
0: 100% orgiastic.
1: Hundreds and hundreds of figures, all naked. And, 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 uh, you know, you don't see outright intercourse going on, but. Pretty close. Pretty close. Look at these two people, uh, in the muscle shell. A guy's carrying a giant. Muscle shell, shellfish, often a symbol for uh, arousal and genitalia. Yeah. Do do you see this to the, like it's in the bottom quarter of the painting, kind of below the floating peach? Yes. Um, There's two people in there, toe to toe, clearly naked. I mean. The the butt coming toward you might, might have something coming out of the butt. Is there a. A bubble or a gem coming out of the butt?
0: Maybe. O- old gem butt, they call him. <laughs> he's, there, ha- he's having a good time in his shell. There are people riding mystical animals. There's someone riding a griffin. There uh, there are people riding pigs and goats.
1: They're riding. Th- the men are riding these animals around a central pond wherein like kind of nude nymphs. sirens. Yeah, nymphs kind of, you know, wink coquettishly at them. So riding a big muscular animal that you've mounted is a uh, probably sexual in that and context. big,
0: big herds of, of men riding horses. They're often carrying fishes. They're, they're, and the pleasures
1: just don't end. There's giant fish and giant strawberries that people are just taking big bites out of.
0: No one is having a bad time. Even there are a couple of people who are dancing with a giant owl on their heads. There's a guy with a blueberry for a head. But yeah, they don't the,
1: seem unhappy. No, there are the people, the, the owl guy has, uh, is waving some kind of flat floral castanets or something. I can't, no, those are berries maybe. He's waving giant berries.
0: There are a lot of fish, which I guess in the Netherlands uh, would be like, yeah, of course, you're going to be like fish.
1: The birds and fish are all kind of human sized, which makes it, it really looks like a, a modern surrealist canvas, you know, this kind of yeah, yeah. mall fantasy art where giant fish are swimming by this uh, kind of Maxfield Parish looking city. Camels and
0: ibexes.
1: You know, and uh, again, more of this kind of Edenic architecture in the background, kind of a, maybe an orientalized Dutch guy's view of what the cities of India or Far Cathay or Arabia, Baghdad might look like. There's
0: one Nubian woman who is painted uh, with a sort of, carbon cinder color. Yes,
1: someone who has never seen a black person, just like never seeing a giraffe. There, there's a few, there's there's another- uh, She has an apple on her head. There's another black person at lower right, also with kind of a weird oh, cherry oh, sure. thing so there's on a, his head. He's
0: a man and his his counterpart female is on the other so side.
1: So all these white people are probably going to hook him up. They're going to be like, oh, I have a black friend. He's uh, over at lower right. Well,
0: you know, I don't see color. They would be like, <laughs> I'm wearing an apple on my head. Do you know anyone else with an <laughs> apple the on their head? It's the kind of thing head? where
1: you're. Descri- I'm describing this figure to you and I'm like- Cherry on his head. You know, I have to say three you, things and then I'm like, oh,
0: and they're black. You know the guy. He's the one with the, with the cherry on his head.
1: Once you've said three or four things, then you can be like, oh, he's, as an afterthought. Oh, uh, he's, uh, he's African-American. He's
0: tall. He's very <laughs> athletic.
1: There's also, there's a white man kissing a black woman on the mallard's back.
0: Oh, where's in where's the, the pool, mallard?
1: In the pool, far oh, in left. The pool over in bird country.
0: Oh yeah, there's there are a couple of so owls a, there's over some, there. There's some
1: hot interracial love well, over there.
0: Now that I'm looking more carefully, there are a couple of dark-skinned nymphs, maybe more than Oh a yeah, couple. in the fountain, you're right. Um, so he is trying to He is saying this is he's humanity. Tra- he's trying to be representative. There's yeah. no
1: there's no black people in hell apparently, which is nice. I
0: don't see any Asian people, but maybe he wouldn't even be aware Yes. Of, of Asia. I think you're No turbans. Right. Are there turbans?
1: Well, nobody's wearing anything. Oh, right. <laughs> all the, all the headgear is like, now, here, here, put on an owl. We're right. ready to go. Put We're on ready a, to go.
0: Put, put, on a, put a fish on your put, head. Put a big fish on your so head. So now let me ask, uh, since you seem to know the interpretation of this painting, this doesn't really seem like the earth I know. <laughs> You've never been here? So in between heaven and hell,
1: this is? So yeah, a typical view would have- Eden on one side, hell on the other, and maybe maybe you know our current time in the middle, or you know a, a biblical scene between the two, or maybe the last judgment where the Christ is separating out
0: the sheep from the goats. Right, or something uh, that is like suggests a linear passage yes, of time.
1: Yes, but what is going on here? Theologically, it's very confusing to us. And maybe there would have been notes, but maybe the fact that there's no other works like this means that maybe it would have seemed just as eccentric to a viewer back then. Maybe
0: Bosch was just always being like, no, no, you gotta, th- it's all about symbolism, man. But are these people sinning or are they acting in uh, in a spirit of innocence?
1: Right. There's a bunch of, uh, of readings of this and they kind of re- revolve around that central disagreement. Like, are we supposed to think these guys are bad? Look at this
0: awful orgy they're having. This is a cautionary tale. Right. This is, this is a, a, a clear-eyed view of what civilization really is, which is a bunch right. of naked right. uh, fish wearing.
1: This pleasure garden is the worst that, that our fallen world has to offer. Or? I mean, if he's, if he's saying that, he's really made it look really fun and attractive. Although, he yes, Although awesome. hell also kind of is fun in a way, so... Maybe his views are not.
0: Quite a bit less pooping in the, in earth.
1: (laughs) Or is it possible that this is some kind of innocent fantasy world? Are we seeing. Before the fall. Yeah. I mean, we already have Eden before the fall, but is this some like parallel how things could be? Like this is maybe if, if Adam and Eve had never fallen, what if we were in this kind of innocent, pleasant land?
0: It's interesting because in the, the Eden scene where you would normally find an apple tree as the uh, symbol of the impending fall. In this painting, you see a palm tree and no fruit. So the,
1: the, um, the kind of the exotic plants are, uh, lead to an interesting reading of this whole triptych. Um, we don't know what order he painted his stuff in. None of his 25 or 30 extant works are dated. So we just have to use supposition to guess when he painted each one. Right. Um, this one has a pineapple, which is a new world fruit. So therefore, wow. it must come after 1492. Oh. Um, clearly, this is from the latter half of his career, and a lot of people who have looked at this kind of idyllic parallel world in the middle are wondering if the discovery of the new world has influenced Bosch. Oh,
0: like, oh, this is the new world.
1: There's an innocent. There's a whole innocent continent out there right. that doesn't have our troubles and our, uh, you know, our fallen nature and our religious. Probably yeah. wars and dumb Kevin pooping in the lake, but it actually has, you know, this gorgeous architecture and animals we've never seen, delightful um, physical sensory pleasures of all kinds.
0: 100% in the spirit of, of its time, the 15th century, 16th century, people at the, at the dawn would have been wondering like, because Columbus comes back and says, well, they don't, uh, there aren't a lot of clothes. Right. And they do crazy things. And people are like, yeah. And there are people are like, well, let me get to the cities <laughs> where there are big pink bagpipes. People
1: want their big golden cities encrusted with jewels where these, um, you know, noble
0: savages uh, live in their Edenic, clothesless life. So, is there, what do we learn from this? What do, what do futurelings? Take away. I mean, I when I, I, I think the, of the I, think, they should, they I should, think of this. This is what I imagine their world looks like. They
1: could build this society. Um, they could uh I mean maybe the, what they should learn is to like leave notes on your paintings so people aren't all like, wait, are these the good guys or the bad guys? Sometimes I just think like, I mean, clearly you're seeing Bosch's brain. Like, this was fun for him to draw. Like he liked drawing all these little torso-less frogs with owl heads wiggling around hell. And so he was not troubled by. <laughs> Things like theology or composition, he just wanted to paint fun stuff. It's the same impulse that leads to you know the world building in in modern prestige TV or epic fantasy: like, It's
0: funny that you say fun to draw because i I, I always read it as uh, as a torture cautionary tale. Well, no that he was tortured oh, and, uh, because like he's these, a weird guy. These drawings are so. You know, when you think about outsider, outsider art as a modern phenomenon, most of the time the people are not rec- uh, recognized in their day and are drawing fantastical figures out of, a, out of a form of torment. Yeah, I mean,
1: maybe that's the lesson of Garden of Earthly Delights, is if you're seeing this kind of stuff, please tell your therapist
0: to up your dosage. And that concludes The Garden of Earthly Delights, Entry 515.SS0611, certificate number 17086, in the omnibus. Futurelings, we sincerely hope that social media has evaporated into the hot gas from which it's made.
1: Maybe it's been cast down into a Boshian hell.
0: Right, maybe uh, social media is inside of a bird being eaten by a clam. Yeah, I hope Mark Zuckerberg (laughs) is getting pooped into a big blue (laughs) bubble right now. But in the unlikely event that it survives, uh, please check us out at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick on Twitter. Don't just check us out. Follow us. Follow? And in particular, follow me because Ken has more followers than I do and it's insulting.
1: I am, by the time futurelings hear this, even if they listen to it immediately, I will probably be in the rare 70-300 club. Hmm. That's people on Twitter who have 70 Jeopardy wins and 300,000 followers. It's not,
0: a, it's not a huge club. I man. hate you in a way. <laughs> uh, also, uh, you can find our, uh, our shows uh, uh, archived at At Omnibus Project. You can uh, check out my sexy Instagram account under my name. Also, you can email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. You can visit us on Facebook at the Omnibus Futurelings uh, fan group. And you can mail us great big apple hats uh, at P.O. Box 55744 Shoreline, Washington 98155
1: listeners uh, from our vantage point in what is to you the distant past we have no idea how things are going to turn out if it'll be a, a verdant earthly paradise with people boning inside giant oysters or if it will be uh, a burning ruined hellscape with a giant metronome about to pound down on tick, your head at any tick, second tick tick, tick that's tick. awesome you should keep doing that to make it more hellish <laughs> tick tick we hope and pray that the catastrophe that comes, the comet or whatever, will, will hold off. But if it comes soon, this recording, like all our recordings, could be our final word to you. But if providence allows, we hope to be back with you soon for another entry in the Omnibus.
3: For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite show.